Father, I, I love what um, JD did at the beginning of the, the service and just pause. And I want to I want to just pause again right here, Lord, and um, recognize the fact that we cannot make anything happen in this time. Lord, we are actually we're very weak. We're very um, fragile and we're very frail and very open to influence. And Lord, we are living in a world that is um, there are a lot of influences that are actively opposing what you are doing in us um, but we don't have to be afraid because you are greater than the one who is in the world you are greater than the world you're greater even than our own um, minds and hearts uh, but we do want to stop and and just acknowledge that and ask you lord to like soil would you till our hearts and our minds right now lord would you make us a fertile place for you to um, put the seed of your word in and that it would grow lord would you open our, our minds to see you for who you are and understand you for what you're really saying? Um, would you quiet all the noise from other places, from our week? Lord, would you, um, really more than anything, would you melt our hearts? Because we can, we can know and understand, but we need um, hearts of love for you. We need to um, be loved by you and experience being loved by you, and then we need to to love you in return. And so we ask that you would do that now. And um, don't leave us unchanged. Thank you for promising that your word never returns void and always accomplishes the purpose for which you send it. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so uh, we are continuing through our vision series. This vision series is called The Great Adventure Finds Us. And um, this is, for, for Midtown West, we have a vision statement that really drives who we are and what we do. And that vision statement, we believe, is the product of what the Lord has already spoken to all of his people for all time. Um, there's a whole lot of deep um, purpose in there from what Jesus says are the, the greatest two commandments, to love God with everything that you have and everything that you are and to love other people the way that Jesus has loved you. And so it's not that this is new, but it's a specific contextualization of what he's called all of his people to do throughout history and all over the world. And we believe that just like he speaks to each one of us, he gifts and calls us to specific relationships and work and vocations and, and places and neighborhoods. Um, he does that for his people as specific individual congregations. And so um, we believe that what he is calling us to right now is this vision uh, that we are on adventure with Jesus to be set free, to set others free, and to enjoy that freedom together. So we're on adventure with Jesus to be set free, set others free, and enjoy that freedom together. And so um, we're, we're breaking that vision statement down so we can understand it and um, live out of it. That it's not just this dusty vase up on the shelf that we think looks pretty, but that this actually drives and empowers us as we learn how to follow him both individually and together, and it bleeds into everything that we do throughout our, our week. And so the first week, we talked about what it is to, to be on adventure with Jesus. This word adventure means that, like, we are being led by someone else to a place that we've never been before that we were made for. And so we have to give him the keys. We have to say, I am not holding on to control. You have to take me somewhere that I've never been because when I drive the car, I get to where I am, which is to need someone to take me somewhere else. Um, and then we talked last week about uh, what it is for us to be set free. Um, that Jesus is, he has done this work, he has done this finished work on the cross to set us free. 
um, to reconcile us to God, to bring us back together with him, and to be able to finally, for the first time, be alive spiritually, to enjoy this life that we were made for. Um, and, but that even though that's finally accomplished and, and we can be sure that that will happen in its entirety and, and perfect completion, um, that we are living in time and space and that is being expressed in time and space. And so it is a, an incremental process over the course of our whole lives. We are continuing to be set free and it's the love of Jesus in us. It's the relationship that we have with Jesus and the fruit of that relationship that he is setting us free from ourselves to actually be able to to live this life of, of freedom and joy and peace and love that he's given us and called us to. And so today, um, we are talking about what it is to set others free, um, that we are, we are walking alongside fellow travelers on the road um, in this adventure that we're on. And as we encounter people, the Lord is calling us to people. He's bringing people to us. He's bringing us to people to be a part of him setting them free. We are um, and, and that is part and parcel is a very necessary, essential part of us being set free is this process of being with Jesus um, as he is working to set others free too. And, and the work that he's doing in other people through them to help set us free. It's this all, all um, fit together. So uh, what, we're, what we've been doing is we've been going through this passage in Luke of Jesus meeting Levi. And, and really that passage from Luke 5, 27 to 32 we get to see um, all of our vision statement in that passage. Um, and so we're looking at that passage, but we're also doing a deep dive each week with a, a supporting passage that kind of goes deeper into what we're talking about this week. So um, who's reading scripture for us this morning? Laura, if you come on up. We're going to um, hear that passage from Luke, but then also um, from 2 Corinthians 5 about more of what it is to set others free. Luke 5, 27 through 32. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And our second scripture is Second <coughs> Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. And therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting us to the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Laura. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to start back with Jesus and Levi. So um, we see Jesus' love for Levi is so evident because he comes to him. He initiates. He always initiates with, with anyone. Jesus comes to Levi, and he invites him. And what he invites him to is life with him. Come and be with me. Come and just live with me. Be with me. Listen to me. Share with me. All of this. 
um, is showing Jesus' love so clearly for Levi. And then Levi's returning that love to Jesus is also clear because he follows him. He accepts the invitation. He goes with him. He's living life with him. He's being changed by him. And in this passage, he throws this feast because he wants to enjoy being with Jesus, but he also wants to invite other people to enjoy being uh, with Jesus too. And that's that's what love does. Um, you share what you love. You share what delights you. I mean, some of what we were doing today, that was intentional because it's just easy to talk to people about what you love. Like, you've got to try this food. Um, Field, our three-year-old, was a, a pork tenderloin evangelist this week. Um, Lee made pork tenderloin, and the boys were all, like, suspicious, and they are like, no, I'm not going to eat that. And so I, I cut up some and put it on Field's plate and mixed it in with his noodles and uh, I'm in the other room, and I hear him, and he goes, mmm, have you guys tried the meat? It is so good. It was like, <laughs> it sounded like a six-year-old woman talking about a great restaurant. Um, but it's like, he just, that's just what happens. Like, you just love, whatever you love, it just flows. It doesn't stay. It doesn't just, it doesn't stay here. It goes out. I mean, think about all the things, like, um, I'm one of them. People make fun of it all the time. But, like, I tell people about CrossFit. Why? Because I love it. I, I love the community. I love um, just that it's a workout that I don't have to plan for myself. Uh, I love it. It's like playing team sports again. And so people talk about that. People talk about you got to go to this new restaurant. You got to try this food. Listen to this thing I just bought. You got to, you know, whatever it is, you got to meet this guy. You got to read this book. That's We're always just sharing what we love. It just comes out of us. It's like, um, Tony Stark and it's like the arc reactor and I'm getting nerdy on you here um, you know or, or like the big one that he had to like shut down that was being misused but it's like it just draws people in it just draws things in it's this powerful force that brings and expands and enlarges and brings more and more people into it and so that's what's happening as as Levi decides to throw this feast the love of Jesus is transforming him Instead of wanting to try to take from everybody any chance that he gets as a tax collector, that's what he was doing. How can I maximize my profits with no thought about what it means to you that I'm doing that to you? Um, instead, now it's, it's like just totally switched. How can I um, give you something? How can I take this man that I love and this thing that I love, which is fellowship with this man that I love, and invite you into it? You need to come. You need to hear from him. You need to eat with him. You need to just sit and enjoy being in his presence. And so that's, that's uh, one beautiful thing that we see here in this passage with that is um, Levi, sometimes I call him Matthew because that's, he has both names. Um, so Matthew, Levi, same guy. So um, when Levi invites these people that are tax collectors and sinners uh, to his feast, he didn't have to go find them. These were just the people that he was already living life with. And that's, that's, that's what Jesus calls us to, is he has already placed us in neighborhoods. We live in apartments or houses on streets surrounded by other people. We work in places surrounded by other people. Um, our friend circles expand, and we meet more people, and we hang out with other people. Like, he's already given us the people that he wants us to share him with, people that we run into every day, every week in our normal rhythms. We don't have to go looking for people um, to invite to this feast with Jesus. But also, um, these people will also come to you. They, those who aren't in your life right now will come into your life. Just like when he throws this feast, um, 
not all of these people were invited. These people just showed up. They wanted to come to a feast, and a lot of people came that he probably didn't want to hang out with. And a lot of people come into our lives that we don't want to hang out with, that we wouldn't choose for ourselves, but the Lord's like, I don't care. I chose them for you, and I brought them into your life because um, you have something to give them, and it's going to change them, and it's going to change you. You giving it to them is going to change you in the process, and that's my gift to you. And so um, case in point here, uh, the scribes and Pharisees, um, they definitely weren't invited because who wants them at their party? Um, they're they're buzzkills, and they're just there to, to, like, poke holes in everybody. But they were there, and they were there because they're dirty sinners too. They were drawn to Jesus because they need him, and there's something in them that's compelling him. They couldn't leave it alone because they were just drawn to him like a magnet. And so, I mean, think about all the people at this party and think about all the people in our lives. Like, what are these people going to be like? These people who don't know Jesus, who need Jesus, who Jesus is going to be coming to through us, inviting into life with him, what are they going to be like? Well, they're going to be arrogant. They're going to be needy. They're going to be self-obsessed. They're going to be perverted. They're going to be crass. They're going to be rude or offensive. They're going to be De- Debbie Downers. They're going to be self-righteous. Um, and the list goes on and on. And they're going to be like that because they're just like us, because we're all those things. And Jesus called us to himself, and he used other people to bring us to him. And um, so you know, it just makes me say, like, I hope that this congregation is full of all kinds of crazy. Because if it's not, something's wrong. And, and I hope this congregation is full of people that are still kind of hungover from last night and full of self-righteous people who are judging the people who are still hungover from last night. Because all of those people need Jesus. And we're all somewhere in between. And actually, it's amazing uh, that we can do both at the same time. Like, I can be self-righteous and be still hungover from last night. It's, it's a talent that we have. Um, but that's like, we, this place needs to be filled with people who are crazy and who need Jesus. And our hearts need to be full for all kinds of people because that's who Jesus said he came for in this passage. I, I, I did not come for people who think that they're okay and don't need anything. Hint, hint to the Pharisees, like, you're not as okay as you think you are. I came for people who are sick in the soul because I am a healer of the soul. And all of this weird stuff that you do, all of this damaging stuff that you do, all of this painful stuff that you do to try to find life somewhere else um, is all fruit of having a sick soul, and I'm here to heal that. And heal you so that you can have life with me. And so this other passage that we threw in there today from 2 Corinthians 5 is Paul, um, our man Paul helps us and he does a little bit of a deep dive um, pulling out the microscope and going in further of like, why is this happening? What's happening when Matthew or Levi um, is, is welcomed in by Jesus and, and starts living life with him? Why does, why does the, he then just naturally turn and invite all, all these other people into life with he and Jesus. Um, and so Paul says, okay, let me tell you. Um, verses 17 and 18 of that passage, this is basically what we talked about last week. In Christ, you and I are new creations. The judgment that has been carried out on the old man, um, the, who we are when we were spiritually dead, apart from Christ in the world, uh, full of sin, um, we are victims and perpetrators. Uh, through this, this 
act in human history of Jesus dying on the cross, that had powerful effect for us who live now centuries later. Something happened that has this life-changing, eternal significance that is more real than anything that we can see and touch in our lives right now. Because it, it is eternal, it's forever, it's transformative, and it's that he was a substitute for us. So that, that the old self, the, the us that was separated from God and full of sin, um, died. He died in our place, and so in effect, we died with him on that cross. So all of that weight, all of that judgment, all of that wrath is like, it's fallen off now. And now in its place, um, when he, because he was God, he could not be held by death. When he was raised to life, new life, we also are raised to new life in him. Now we have um, a totally new life. There's new, um, our core is totally different now. At the core before was just us. And now at our core is the very spirit of God because he now lives in us. His power is in us. His, his new affections are in us. His new life is in us. And so um, when Paul says this, the old has passed away, it's, it's this picture of the old is fading away. It is becoming less real. Because remember, we are in time and space. All of this is working on in time and space. There's a way that you can read this passage and be very discouraged because you're like, man, I'm, the old f- still feels like it's really here. And I'm not... Uh, living out of this newness all the time. And so there's, you know, there's something wrong with me. No, no, no. You are loved by Christ. He, his love for you will never change. He is the one doing all the changing. He is the one doing all the transformation. He just asks you to go with him, be open to what he's doing, submit yourself to what he's doing, but let, he's going to do all the heavy lifting. And what Paul is saying here is this is a process. It is real in one sense. It is already real. It's already complete because we know it's finished. The old is gone, the new has come. But it's also, as it's working itself out in your life, the old is fading away. Those old ruts, those old ways of living are fading away. They're being replaced by new ways. Because the new man is here. And the new coming doesn't mean that everything is perfect. The new coming means that there is a new core, there's a new life in there that makes any transformation possible. So any new transformation that's happening is evidence to you that there is a new man now. Um, There's a new relationship, a new core, a new power, new everything. And it will, you will experience full completion of this in Christ. And, And how encouraging is this, that all of this is from God the Father. That God the Father loves you and I so much that he sent Jesus to reconcile you to himself. So God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit all decided together that we are coming after these people to save them and, and reconcile them to us. And so that's what Jesus has done. Um, to reconcile someone is to reestablish or restore friendly relations by definitive action where a relationship has been severed. And the Father is in Christ reconciling you and I to himself. And so it says in verse 18, um, we've been reconciled, but now also this thing that goes with it, um, we've been made ministers of reconciliation. This is where like the Tony Stark arc reactor comes into play, is when that happens, that's, that cannot be the only thing that happens. It's inseparable. When I am reconciled to God, I begin to see the world and people in my life differently 
and he is in me reconciling the world to himself through me as a vessel. And so now, all of a sudden, my life, like that reactor turns on, and I start bringing people in to the love of Christ that he has for me that, and this life that I'm experiencing with him. The, father, the Father's love through the Son, um, like I have the love that I have for my sons, um, is in us working itself out in the world. It's like um, the way that I'm teaching my sons to live, like I want them to love their brothers, and I want them to love other people. And so there's a part of me that's in them um, teaching them how to live, how to love other people, and I'm wanting that and loving that for them because, um, one, it's good for their brothers and their other people. It's like, I want you to love them because I also love them too. And I want you to be an agent of life and joy and peace and love in their life. But also, this is for you because this is freeing you from you. This is freeing you from a life of self-obsession and you being the center of everything. And so I'm wanting you to go love all these other people um, because I love you and I want you to be free and I want you to be different. And that's what he's doing in us too. It's like the Trinity in creation. You know, God was totally fine. Um, he, was, he was totally full of relationship and love within himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's why the Trinity is such a big deal because without the Trinity, um, God can't be love. He can't know love. And uh, then he certainly couldn't be God. So um, within himself, he was totally satisfied, but that arc reactor was working in some mysterious way. I don't know. And they, the Trinity, God decided to create and, and love um, and bring others into that relationship, into that perfect community. And it's the same way, that it's, it's exactly, that's what the church mimics. That's what we do as a congregation, is that we are experiencing this love, this relationship with Jesus together, and we are always bringing other people into that fellowship, into that love, into that relationship. Um, it's like our, our lives now are like dumb and dumber. Um, I love the scene where they're in the, the dog van and it's like, look, there's more people looking for a ride. It's like, pick them up, you know? It's like, I don't care who it is, just get in. Like, we're going to sing and play as we drive down the road in this dog van together. But um, that's the life of the people of God is um, – yeah, I don't, come on, like, if, if you're here, and you're, you're interested in this, like, our lives are open, um, and so what is this ministry of reconciliation, like, Paul unpacks this in the last three verses of this passage, um, what does that really look like, well, um, God the Father was in the, in God the Son, reconciling the world to himself, um, he's not counting their trespasses against them, He's not treating people as they deserved. Um, his intentions and his actions toward people were set by his love and his will. Um, they're not a reaction to the behavior of these people. He was giving himself, um, giving himself in love, and it had nothing to do with what these people were doing, what we were doing, because that's not what we deserved. And he's saying, no, 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 I, I'm not counting their trespasses against them um, because if I treated them as they deserved, this would have a very different ending. What I'm doing is I'm setting my intention to love them, and I'm, I'm working and living out of that intention. So in that, he is the first mover. He endures sin and suffering at the hands of the other. 
Um, his love for the other was firmly rooted in himself and not dependent on circumstances. And he came absorbing sin and offering truth and grace and love in return. And so now that we have been reconciled to God, we've been made sons and daughters of God, we are as in and as family as it gets. Um, so if you want to know like what Christianity is all about, like this is it. Like this is at the core of everything. And if this doesn't sound like it's for you, then it's not for you, I guess, um, because that's what it is. You're going to be disappointed. You're going to be frustrated. It's not um, anything other than being in this community of fellowship with God um, on mission with him to continue to reach out to those who are separated from him to reconcile them to God so that they can have life in him. Like, that's what this is. And so, um, now, as God's adopted sons and daughters, um, that's, that's what is happening in us. He's like, okay, good, come on in. Like, you want to be in the inner circle? You're in the inner circle, and now you join us in going out in this ministry of reconciliation as we enjoy working together for the good of the other. We've been entrusted with this message. Um, when it says we've been entrusted, it's an idiom that means that it's been placed in our hearts, that this is our core, that, that arc reactor um, of love is at our core. We've been entrusted with this message that is so deep that it's what we live out of. This is, um, it, it's the lens that we see our world and our relationships through because our core is the spirit of God. You know, when I was having a really hard time one time and just feeling like a lot of shame, a mentor of mine said, you know what, Matt? If you pe peeled back all the layers of you and all the, all the false layers that you're putting on to try to keep people from seeing the real you, if you peel back all those layers, what's at the middle is um, at the core is not, and I'll, I'll spare you the language, but it's not a piece of refuse. It's the spirit of God. That's what's at the core of us when we are in Christ. And that's what is compelling us into this life of the ministry of reconciliation. We are ambassadors for Christ. Think about that. We have been sent out in the power and the authority and the love of King Jesus to accomplish his will with his words for his purposes. And so in that, here's something we don't want to miss. Jesus is speaking and speaking to and loving other people through you. Like the words of life that you speak to other people, when you speak his words to other people and you love other people with his love, that is literally Jesus Christ loving this man or woman or child in front of you through you as a vessel, as an ambassador, and in you as the Holy Spirit lives in you. Like that is amazing. It is no small thing. He has entrusted us the ministry of reconciliation and he's with us and in us doing it. When I hear from somebody the good news that God loves me through Jesus and I come to faith, it is literally God speaking to me through whoever that person is that is communicating that message to me. That's amazing. It says that God the Father is making his appeal through us. An appeal is, um, it's this double meaning and both meanings apply here. It's to cause someone to be encouraged or consoled. Think about that and God loving us and loving those who still don't know him. 
that he is making his appeal. He is causing someone to be encouraged and consoled with this truth of like, hey, hey, it's okay. I love you. I've made a way for you. And the other meaning of that word to make an appeal is to ask for something earnestly. Like he, he desires those who are his. He desires these people to come and be in relationship with him and be sons and daughters of his. And he is making his appeal through us. And then Paul says, we implore you on behalf of Christ, on behalf of God the Son. We are imploring. That word implore means to plead with urgency and love because there is a need. Please do not be needlessly destroyed. Please do not continue in your sin and your unbelief and your walking away from God. Please don't do that because I have made everything. I've done everything. I've accomplished everything. I've made it all possible for you to come back and be reconciled to him. And you need to be reconciled to him. It's not just this great offer that if you have some time, you might check it out. Like, you are in desperate need of that reconciliation with him. And Jesus is saying, I have gone all the way. I have made everything possible for you. Please, 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 please do not walk down this road to destruction because you don't have to. Please come home. And so um, what does this look like in our lives? Um, the Canadian philosopher on media theory, which I know you guys know a lot of those guys, so I'll go ahead and tell you his name so you're not wondering which one it is. Um, Marshall McLuhan. McLuhan. Um, he's, he's famous for this. This is the only thing I know that he ever said. Um, the medium is the message. The medium is the message. So Jesus did not just come in words. He didn't come divorced from the pain of life, sitting in an ivory tower, throwing down paper airplanes with truth on them to people. The medium is the message. Jesus came and embodied the truth that he's sharing. God is giving himself for you. He is suffering in your place so that you can have life. He's reconciling you to himself. He's absorbing your sin and giving you life in return. And those aren't just words on a page. They're wrapped in a life of self-sacrificial love that he demonstrates to the world where we are literally reconciled to God through the physical body of Jesus. I am telling you these words, and I'm showing you this truth with my physical body. It is um, making, it is, it is this life, the, the words wrapped in a life the life makes these words understandable and believable. All of this sounds great, but until I feel and experience somebody loving me with that kind of love, I cannot believe it, right? It's too much. Like, no, that's, that never happens. No one's ever loved me like that. And until another human skin can look at me with eyes and respond to me with a mouth and sit with me and put their arm around me, until I experience that kind of love, that expression of the truth, it, it's not believable. And that's why he is, he is out making his appeal through us because Jesus is not in flesh and blood on earth anymore. I know, it's painful. That's why we're his ambassadors, because that's a necessary piece of this. He is not here to do that with his hands and his eyes and his face. Um, we are. We are. 
And that's why there's cognitive dissonance when somebody, uh, when we think about evangelism becoming a, a dirty word, when it's actually the very thing that we were made for. And it's beautiful, and it's a joy when we understand it rightly. But that's why there's cognitive dissonance when somebody is like a project. Because that's not love. Or when there's no openness to relationship. It gets real weird when you walk in to somebody's life with this message of love and then they want to like respond and be in your life and you're like, no, no, actually, I don't want to spend any time with you. I just came with this message and so um, I hope you have a good life and pat myself on the back and feel better about what's happening here. Or, or even when I make it all about me. When this whole thing is like, I'm, I'm coming out of guilt or I want to feel better about myself or this is what I'm supposed to do. And I'm in my head the whole time of like, how do I look? How do I sound? You know, all of this, like, there's cognitive dissonance there because that's not what's happening here. That's not this, the words of Christ in the life of Christ. Um, the words of Christ in the life of Christ is like, we are always um, open to this person, the Lord bringing this person deeper into our lives. Like, my, f- my friendship circles are always open because he didn't give me the privilege of closing those gates. And so he's going to lead me to people. He's going to lead people to me, and I'm wide open. Like, this person might be my new best friend. I don't know. But, like, I'm just, whatever you got, Lord, I'm ready to receive it because you love me and you bring me good things. Um, yeah, we don't share the words of life to accomplish something. We, sh- we share these words wrapped in a life of love to bring people close and make them family. And Jesus' life, death, and resurrection are uniquely effective in reconciling the world to God, but now he lives in us. And so our words, when they're his, and our love, when it's his, are powerful and effective to bring people to life. And so um, I'm just going to end here with a, a couple thoughts on how does this play out in our lives? How do we think about that? How do we think about being ambassadors, making God making his appeal through us? Um, one is humility that we're actually connecting people with the Jesus in us, not to us. Um, We're not the ones that are perfect. We're not the ones that have all the answers. We're actually still following him. We still need him. Um, And we're we're on journey with him. And we're saying, hey, come come with me as I continue to follow this Savior who I I desperately need. Um, And so uh, we need to be led by him. We need to to be open, Lord, we don't know everything. What are, what are you doing here? Like, we need to be able to ask questions and pray um, and listen and, uh, and represent reality that we're still sinners um, who are being transformed um, and that there's no pressure, that he is, he is the one that is saving uh, the world, not us. So I don't have to worry. Um, and then, of course, self-sacrificial love. Um, it's going first, it's, it's initiating like he did, it's laying our lives down, and something that God's really been convicting me of that um, I just want to share with us is um, what it is to, you know, most of the time when I think about this, I think about um, the other person having to go the whole way. So it's like, yeah, cool, I'll, I'll do whatever if they'll just come to my doorstep and, and meet me in my place where I feel safe and comfortable. And it's like, wow, okay, like that's not at all what Jesus did. He went out. He went to <laughs> places that were painful and uncomfortable and weird and strange um, so that he could love. And so just how we think about um, meeting people with this love and words of life um, 
like I've I've got to be willing to be uncomfortable. I've got to be willing to die to myself a little bit, willing to suffer because that's what we have from Jesus. If I if I just sit in my routine and not allow God to interrupt my my routine in my life, um, and just think that people are going to be brought to me and they can bear all the discomfort <laughs> and all the weirdness and all the newness, um, that's not that's not the Jesus who I'm representing. So um, in Jesus' love. We're changed, and we're being changed like Levi. Um, the urge to always take from others is fading away, and it's being replaced by an increasing draw to uh, give others a feast in a life with Jesus. Father, I, I pray that you would um, make this reality for us, Lord. Um, when we feel ourselves um, closing up and not wanting to be open to the people around us, um, let that be an indicator that something's wrong, that something's missing, that we're not living out of the reality of, of your deep, deep love for us and constant companionship with us. And Lord, uh, I, I pray that we would increasingly find our life and our joy and our peace from our life with you and that that would um, push us out and compel us into the lives of men and women and, and children around us um, to, to invite them to this life that is a feast with you. And I pray that in Jesus' name, amen.